If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with Jamie Kern Lima. Wow, Jamie created a cosmetics company in 2016 in her living room and she sold it to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion. She now has a book out and it has been on the New York Times bestseller for six weeks. It's called Believe It, How to Go from Underestimated to Unstoppable. Now, Jamie, your uh, PR agent, Deandra, she reached out to me after we interviewed Matthew McConaughey and she's like, you got to check out Jamie. I'd never heard of you before. And I went to your social channels I started looking at your content and reading through your content. I just love the way that you hold this incredible frame and mindset about not letting the negativity affect you, right? About not seeking this approval of others, but just really focusing on your dream. So congratulations on your book. I know you've done really well with that. And, uh, and thank you for, for being here today with us. Appreciate oh, Joel. It. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So what's your favorite part in the book? If you could pick one chapter, which one would it be? Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. My favorite part is the stories I'm getting from people now reading the book. There's so many people. Literally right before you and I hopped on here, I was thinking about one that just came in where uh, someone was saying, like, I read these stories of constant rejection in the book and I was rooting for you. And by the end of the book, I realized I was rooting for myself again. And I was just like, (sighs) <sighs> start crying, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> my, my favorite part really is, is here's the thing. I think, you know, during the years after selling at cosmetics, you know, you, you can see my kind of this headline everywhere in the press about my story that says, you know, Denny's waitress builds, you know, tr- build billion dollar company. And, and I, I would get these messages all the time from people that would say like, oh, you know, congratulations. Did you, did you get lucky or was it easy? Or, you know, do you have connections? And then they would share how in their journey, um, they're having tough times or they're, you know, embarrassed that they're not getting traction or they keep getting told no and they feel alone in that. And I realized that if, if we don't ever, you know, share the real, like peel back the curtain, share the real stories, behind the stories, then other people feel alone um, in, in, in their own setbacks or tough times. Because um, you don't really see people posting about it on social media, you see everyone's highlight reel. And so I just, you know, my favorite part is, is sharing the real story, which yes, I was a waitress and, and built a, a billion dollar empire and went through the exit process and all of that. But my real story is, you know, a girl who went from not believing in herself to learning how to believe in herself and not not trusting herself to like literally learning how to hear my own gut and make the decision to trust it. Um, and I know that that's the story of probably so many people listening to us right now um, on, on their own journey. And so for me, I guess my favorite part is just sharing all the stuff I've learned on lessons I've learned in this book and believe it on how, like, had I learned them sooner would have saved me a whole lot of nights crying myself to sleep, <laughs> a whole lot of self doubt Um a lot of time and money. And I think when we all come together and just share the real stuff, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of um, what makes life fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'd imagine having people come up to you and share their stories too, it humbles you in that process. And you yeah. realize like, wow, it's, it's crazy. Like you made some really great decisions. Obviously, it worked out really well for you so far. 
What do you think it was that was the catalyst that really sparked this big vision for you with it cosmetics? Cause you know, like I said before, you're in your living room putting this business together and it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. skyrocketed, obviously. What was it? Yeah. What was the catalyst? Yeah. Well, I think it really all comes down to, to, I, I believe Joel, we all have a knowing like deep yeah. down inside. And I, I think that our knowing is always more powerful than anyone else's advice. And I think that, you know, when I, when I look back at, um, how did this even happen? Right. I think all the times I made my greatest mistakes are when I didn't listen <laughs> to that, to my own gut, um, or doubted myself. And I, I think the greatest moments, and I, I think this is true for all of us in our lives is when we really learn to, 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 to trust ourselves and no matter what other people say. And so, you know, for me, um, you know, I never thought I'd start this beauty company. Like I had no interest in that really. I, from the time I was a little girl, I, um, I would watch Oprah every single day and I, I love other people's stories. Like I just want to interview you right now. <laughs> like I love other people's <laughs> stories. And so I thought, Oh, my whole life. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to share other people's stories with the world. And so, you know, I was working in television, um, uh, and do, in my dream job, you know, anchoring the news and sharing other people's stories. So I thought that's what I was going to do my whole life. And it's interesting that, you know, what happened to me was I started getting this, this skin condition, uh, called rosacea, which there's no cure for it. And for me, it comes in the form of like my cheeks and my forehead will get these red bumps on them. And so what happened is I would be anchoring the news live, like live on television. And I would hear in my earpiece from my producer, who's super cool. He was just trying to have my back and there's a whole team of them, but I'd be live in the show and they'd, I'd hear my earpiece. There's something on your face. There's something on your face. You need to wipe it off. You need to wipe, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I knew there was nothing I could wipe off. I knew it was that the makeup I was wearing wasn't working. It was breaking up under the hot HD light. So this redness was coming through. And so I um, I thought I was in this like setback, this season of, of setback in my life. And I, I, you know, anyone who's had that big inner critic take over in their life, like that's what happened to me. And I would be live, you know, anchoring the news and I'd have thoughts like, are viewers changing the channel? Am I losing ratings? Am I going to get fired? And that's that season of setback. I started trying to find every makeup out there that, that uh, from the least expensive, to the most expensive and, and nothing would work. Um, and, you know, there's a, a really famous saying that, that our setbacks in life are, are um, often our setups for, for what we're really called to do or supposed to do. And, Yes. And that's what was happening to me. I just didn't realize it. And, you know, one thing to share, and I think, I really think this is a universal thing, but, you know, I was sitting there and I started getting this feeling and this kept happening where I was like, I had this feeling if I could just like figure out how to create a product that worked for me, it'd probably help a whole lot of other people. And so I have this gut feeling that won't leave me. Like, it's like that, you know, that voice inside that's like, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. But then my head was like, oh, but you're not qualified. And you don't know anyone in the beauty industry and you got no money and like all those things. Right. So this went on for quite a while, but that feeling, that feeling never left. And so I feel like sometimes our life comes down to those moments where we decide like, do I listen to my gut, even though it does not make sense? <laughs> or do I listen <laughs> to my head? Um, yeah. And I made this kind of crazy decision to, to quit my dream job. I, I think sometimes in life, like knowing when to let go of a dream um, is as powerful and matters even more as, as when to go after a new one. You know what I mean? And, and I think, you know, you know, addicted to success. I mean, you've probably heard it a million times where people are like, just don't quit, don't quit, whatever you do, or that's their advice. And I actually think that's not the victory. Like, I think, I think the victory is, is hearing yourself, like hearing your knowing and making the decision to trust it. And sometimes that means don't quit because your knowing keeps telling you to keep going. <laughs> your gut keeps telling you, keep going. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And like when we feel we're in that right place, even if we're not getting traction or success or whatever, if our intuition says you're supposed to keep going and you, this is what you're supposed to be doing, this feels right, feels in alignment with who you are. That's when I think 
the victories to, to not quit. But equally, I think, I think that when we, we have a strong feeling like, okay, I'm supposed to do this new thing. I'm supposed to give up on what I thought was my dream job. I think trusting that is, is the victory. So anyhow, I left them um, because there's so many people, right. That they just, they that mentality of don't quit is so enforced in their head that they're stuck in jobs they don't like right now, or they're continuing to pursue a passion they're not passionate about anymore. And I don't think, I don't think that's the victory. So, but I quit my job and uh, wrote this business plan on my honeymoon flight to South Africa and got back and poured every penny I had into trying to figure out how to create a product that worked. And that was the start of entrepreneurship for me. Um, and Joel, I had no idea how hard it was going to be. I thought I worked hard my whole life, had a lot of jobs my whole life. I had <laughs> no idea how hard it would be to, yeah. to be an entrepreneur um, and had no idea that it would, it would then be three years of, of hundreds of no's hundreds of rejections, mm. not being able to pay myself. Uh, it was, it was a long road. Um, but yeah, so that's how I kind of made that, that kind of crazy transition and, and started, started it cosmetics. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack here. And I relate <laughs> to you so much because I remember I was living in, I told you before I used to live in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, but before that, this was probably about 12 years back, 13 years back. I was in the music industry in America. And I remember I'd moved out to West Hollywood. And I'd been doing this for years, you know, red carpet events and working with major label artists. And I remember waking up one morning. It was just one morning. And I had a knot in my stomach and this looping line in my head that was saying that you're not supposed to be here. And I couldn't make sense of it at first, Right. But, but over time, I started paying attention to it. And there were these whispers of wisdom, you know, as you say, like that knowing that, that tap on the shoulder. And, you know, I really believe it was God calling me to a different place. And I told everyone around me, my friends, my producers, I was managing the label, my family, everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm meant to be somewhere else. And it sounds like that same calling that you had for what you did too. And I want anyone that's listening to this right now that knows that they have that feeling that that's there, pay attention to it and double down because it, it makes such a huge impact in your life. Like this is, this is crazy because you can have multiple passions. I don't believe you just have one passion, right? We learn from each thing and I love it because you kind of went into the, lab of life and you experimented and you did different things. And I'm sure you've taken some skill sets from your past career experiences and brought it into this one to be able to, you know, achieve more success in this space. Definitely. Right, and wow. one thing too, on what you just said, that is so powerful is you also talked about how, like when you were in West Hollywood and you just had this feeling, right? Not everyone around you is going to get it. <laughs> like, like, and I, I feel like um, just for everyone listening right now, I think this is really just a big point um, to call out that you made because I think everyone listening right now probably does know if they really get still or really actually pay attention, they probably do know, are they in the right job right now? Or are they in the right place? Or are they, are they supposed to start writing that book? Or are they supposed, right? They kind of know, are they in the right relationship, right? We all kind of know. And I think that sometimes, uh, we get out of touch with even hearing our own knowing. And then I think sometimes we share when we do know something, right? We'll share it. And all of a sudden, the people around us who often love us or mean so well, um, uh, and they often want the best for us, but they see our own dreams or hopes or, or knowing um, through the lens of their own fear <laughs> or through yeah. their, their own experience. So they give us all this advice uh, out of love. And I feel like what I see happening so often, and, and maybe, um, maybe someone listening right now needs to hear this in their own life. But I think, I think so many times, like we love our friends or our family or our partner or whoever. And, but if we're not careful, they can, they can literally talk us out of our own truth. <laughs> like yeah. there's so many people that, that, 
end up letting the noise of, of other people's opinions or, or their own self doubt. Um, or in my case, like it was three years of no proof of success or proof that my idea was even going to work. And just all the experts telling me, no, all those things can get so loud in our lives. And so many people let all of those things talk them into their decisions really at the expense of like never becoming the person you're born to be. Um, so just, just to ask you, like when you were in that moment in West Hollywood, like how did you decide to listen to it? Even if no one else got it. I started to feel this is what it was. I, I could continue to hide, avoid and pretend not to know, right. To just sweep it on the rug. But the more that I did that, the stronger, in my gut, I could feel like my body and my mind were in a tussle mm. and I just didn't feel, I felt out of alignment and it was weird. Cause I, I was used to feeling in alignment for so long. And then when I started feeling out of alignment, I was like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. So I actually, I left, I packed up and I went back to Australia. I changed my environment. And you know, they say that your environment has a 40% effect on your mental state. And, you know, quite a while back, I thought, no, 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 mind over matter. But as I've gone deeper into my own coaching and everything else, I've realized, wow, this actually has a huge impact. You know, you've got a, a beautiful place there. I can see near Santa Barbara, you've chosen your place of inspiration, right? For me, it was going back to Australia. Then now I'm living in Bali, Indonesia. But I started to craft a life that, that truly lit me up from within. You know, I wasn't playing the game anymore. You know, and, and you were alluding to that as well with what you were doing in the past. You said it was kind of crazy. You made this crazy decision. It's funny because we call it crazy because it's actually what we're supposed to do. Yeah. But, but it's coming out of like the matrix or whatever you want to call it, what society's created and, and what others may expect and what expectations you put on yourself because of what's projected in the space. Mm -hmm. But I love what you shared recently. You said, Never sacrifice your dreams or alter your purpose for other people's approval. You might miss out on becoming the person you were born to be. And I love this. So just to look at it, let's say in, in hindsight, if you were to pull it apart, what was your mindset or your view of the world or certain exercise or something that you used to do and maybe you still do that allowed you to come from a place of not needing that approval from others? Have you done some healing work or what, what have you gone through yourself? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. And, and, and then, you know, this idea that if you, well, this idea that you can't fake authenticity, right? And this idea, like when you look at all the research out there that shows like it's impossible to have a real connection with another human being unless you fully show up authentically. Like if so many of us are tempted to want to please other people or make them happy or show up as our representative who appears more qualified or whatever it is. Right. And, 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 and sometimes doing that can get us really great jobs or invited to really great parties or, you know, all the things that you've experienced that I've experienced that the world tells us significance looks like. And, but the problem is like, literally it's impossible to have a, a real true connection, you know, with another human being, unless you're, you're fully authentic. And so I've known that. And then in the past, you know, several years, especially building it cosmetics, like sometimes we know things, but then actually, you know, seeing them unfold before our eyes in real life is, is another thing. And, and just before I share this, um, this, this story real quick, I just want to say too, for anyone listening, like, I think this applies. There's so many people out there that want to start their own podcast or, or their own show or build their community or lead a team or whatever it might be. And they're still showing up as their representative. They're still hiding parts of themselves because they're embarrassed about him or ashamed about him or think they won't be loved if they don't, all those things. And then they're wondering why they're not getting the kind of success that they want or the kind of fulfillment they're hoping for. And I really think that when people get this lesson, it's life-changing, not just in the results in your own business and your own success, but also the results in your own fulfillment. You know what I mean? And it's like any time we show up as who other people want us to be, it never feels good in our soul. It just doesn't ever. You know what I mean? And so it's like, 
But it's not just a a fulfillment thing. It's also, I believe, even a success thing. And, you know, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, so, so in growing this business, right, at Cosmetics, I had this kind of crazy idea, Joel, where I was like, wait a minute. So when, when I, when I was like, why isn't there a product that works for me? I don't get it. You know, all this kind of stuff. There's thousands of beauty companies out there. Why isn't, why wasn't, why couldn't I find something that worked for my problematic, challenging skin? And what I realized in that journey is like, oh, wait, I've never even seen a model for a makeup ad have rosacea. I've never seen. And then I started realizing, oh, I've only seen overly photoshopped airbrush images of beauty. And the more it started, I started connecting the dots. You know, when I had this idea of launching a product that really worked even for for people with sensitive skin or skin challenges, I also was like, you know what, on top of just making a product that works, I want to, you know, and I did the work early on of what is my why, what is my mission? And then I peeled back the layers, went deeper to the why beneath the why and kept going deeper until I believed it was, it was meaningful enough for me not to quit in those, in those tough years. And where I netted out at was what if I don't just create a great product? What if I actually try to shift culture and the entire beauty industry around how they define beauty, right? And when I launched the company at the time, all you ever saw was was sort of these airbrushed, you know, models of perfect skin. And I was like, you know, um, I realized, Joel, that, that growing up, like even as a little girl, I'd see these commercials and these ads and I loved them. I aspired to look like them. But deep down inside, they always kind of made me feel like I wasn't enough. And so I had this idea, well, what if I take my own makeup off and show my bright red rosacea? And what if I uh, have models that are every age and skin tone and uh, size and skin challenge and gender identity and like you name it, uh, real people as models and call them beautiful and mean it uh, in this process? What if I try to shift this definition of beauty that's out there for, for every little kid who's about to see these ads out there and start doubting themselves and every adult who still does. And so I had kind of this, this big vision. And what happened though, when I, when I launched the company and started sending my product, because we poured every penny we had, created a product that actually worked for me. So I believe this is going to be huge, right? Three years and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of no's later, I didn't know how we were going to make it. We got down to no money, but every expert, all of the the beauty retailers, I would show them this idea, right? And and here's one of the lessons I learned is anytime we're doing something like truly novel or it's just something authentic to you when it's authentic by definition, it's novel because there's only one of you. So it's never been done before. So what I've learned, I wish I learned this lesson sooner. Anytime we're ever doing anything different or novel um, or that's never been done before, like, of course, a lot of experts aren't going to think it's going to work because even though they're visionaries, a lot of times subconsciously, they can't imagine something working unless there's this, this like subconscious proof in their mind, you know, social proof it's already worked before. Um, and so a lot of times when you're doing something new, it's hard for people to imagine it succeeding. And so, you know, I didn't learn that lesson yet, but for, for three years, every time I would have a meeting with a big beauty store um, or a big, big department store, or a big television beauty retailer, they would always say no. And people won't buy makeup from images that look like this. Um, they won't buy, like they only, and they would tell me over and over, especially the, they would say women will only buy uh, beauty products from these unattainable aspirational images that, that they can never look like. And I would say, I get that that's how it's always been done, but like, it, you know, intuitively, if I'm sitting there looking at a product and I don't see someone that looks like me using it, like, how do I know it's going to work for me? Um, and anyways, it was three years of, of, of all of the beauty stores saying, no, and you need to change what you're doing or, or use this type of model and Photoshop them. And then maybe we'll take your product into our stores. And it was a real challenge because when this happens to us in life, right? Like all of us, like, like I had this authentic vision. Um, it was personal and authentic to me. And I would show up in these meetings and pitch my heart out as my authentic self. And I basically had people look me in the eye and say, no, you're not enough. You're not the right fit. We don't believe we'll make money off of you. If you change all this, maybe you can sell your product in our stores. 
And I think in life, a lot of times we have this challenge is like, do we show up authentically or do we start to conform um, to, to who people tell us to be at the expense of, of our own soul in some ways? And, and so anyhow, as I continued, um, I finally got, this is three years into the business. I finally got this one big shot to go on television in the United States on QVC, um, which is live in a hundred million homes. They had told me no for three years. Uh, they said, you're not the right fit for us or for our customers for three years. Um, I finally got a yes, which I talk about and believe it, the crazy story I'm in my book on how I finally got this yes. And what it meant was we got this 10 minute window uh, where um, in order to hit their sales goal, I'd be going live on television, selling my product, presenting it. Um, and we were only doing like two to three orders a day on our website. But to hit their sales goal, I had to do over six, I had to sell over 6,000 units in this 10 minute window, which was like a quarter million dollars or not come back, right? So it was like, and then it was a, on top of it, it was a consignment deal, which meant if it didn't sell, I wouldn't be paid for it. I have to take it all back and we would have gone bankrupt. And so long story short, um, everything was on the line and, and I got this one shot in this 10 minute window and QVC is in Pennsylvania. So uh, uh, I flew out there a week early um, knowing that literally in this, in this 10 minute a, you know, one shot window, I was either going to uh, uh, have my whole life changed or go bankrupt. It was, it was pretty much one or the other. Um, so everything was on the line. And here's why I'm sharing this story is, is, you know, we hired these third party consultants that are amazing. They help a lot of people um, sell their product on television and in stores. And when we hired them, they all said the exact same thing to me. They said, okay, you know, in order for you to have your best shot at success, here's what you need to do. You need to put uh, this type of model with perfect skin, <laughs> all these things. And I'm like, okay, but I get that that's how it's always been done. I get, but like, that's not authentic to why I'm doing this. And I was like, what if I take my makeup off on national television, show my bright red rosation, like I could prove live the product works, like no Photoshopping. I could prove how good this is. And they were mortified at this idea, right? I'm like, what if I put real people as models, like all ages, shapes, sizes, skin tones, skin challenges, and I can prove how, how good the product is and, and, you know, call them beautiful and mean it and, and try to shift culture a, around beauty. And they were literally mortified. And they said, listen, like we really, and they wanted the best for me. That's the thing, Joel. A lot of times people really do want the best for us. Um, and they were giving me the best advice that they knew. Uh, and they're like, listen, if you want a shot at success, and even if you do it our way, it's still such a slim chance you're going to make it. Um, but this is what we're advising you to do. And so I flew out there a week early um, and I sat in the QVC parking lot in this rental car. And I literally just stood at the, like I stared at the front door of the building, which sounds creepy, but I was just, I was so overwhelmed. Cause I was like, I, everything's coming down to this one shot, like this 10 minute window. And, you know, my gut was telling me one thing and experts were telling me another. And when we have those moments happen to us in life, especially when everything's on the line, it's really tough. Cause the honest truth is there were moments in that car where I was like, well, I started to doubt myself. I was like, if I do it their way, then have success. Maybe I could do it their way for a while. Then I'll try it my way. I'll, but I know this lesson that, that you cannot fake authenticity. I know from all the studies, it's impossible to have a real connection with anyone, which means customers. It's impossible unless you fully show up authentically. And I, I knew that lesson and, and I knew what I had to do. And I sat in that car though, cause I felt like the weight of the world and I prayed and I cried and I imagined who my customer was on the other end. Like I imagined for whatever reason, a single mom in Nebraska, like turning her television on, it, you know, who's way too busy to remember that she mattered. And I just, I, I had this moment in the car where I was like, you know, I, it was really a realization or a knowing I should say where, um, when I was teetering on, like, do I do it their way? Um, I had this moment where, where I just imagined her turning her television on and literally, even if she bought nothing, I, if she was going to bless me with two seconds of her time and look up at her screen, like so many women and, and people in general have forgotten they matter and they've forgotten they're beautiful. And 
I, I just imagined her seeing me on this television, showing real people who look like her, calling them beautiful and meaning it. And I just had this moment where I realized like I'd rather, you know, even if she bought nothing, I'd, I'd rather do that and, and, and try to stand for something than sell a ton of product and stand for nothing. Um, and, but you know, sometimes in life, like we know what we have to do. We have that knowing, but it's not easy, especially at the time, you know, it was really easy to go, well, maybe my gut is wrong because up until that point, it had been three years and almost no traction, almost all the, you know, all the experts saying no, which basically just means they don't think that my product will sell in their store, that they'll make any money off me. So, you know, uh, but in that moment, I, I trusted my gut. And I remember walking into this, this television studio, right, about to go live, being broadcast live to 100 million homes across the US. And I was shaking like crazy as, as a hot mess, to be honest, um, because everything was on the line. And <laughs> I remember standing in the studio and there's this giant clock on the floor that started at 10 minutes. And Joel, the other thing, the other thing I learned was like, you're not even guaranteed your 10 minutes. So if you're live and you're, you know, you're presenting, let's say a minute or two in, it's not selling or hitting their sales goal. They could cut your time live. So it could be like, boom, you're down to two minutes left. And you know, you just lost all that money um, wow. because of, yeah, it's the pressure is so intense. But um, like I remember standing there in the 10 minute clock, this giant clock started. And, um, and I remember the moment like a minute or so in where they showed my bare face, my bright red rosacea, my skin condition on, on national television. And I went over to all these models that everyone told me not to use. And they were all real people and uh, all ages and shapes and sizes and skin tones and skin challenges. And I remember we got down to the last minute of the cell of the presentation. And the host is like, the deep shade is almost gone. The tan shades almost. And I was like, <gasps> And I remember that um, at the 10 minute mark, this giant like sold out sign came up across the screen and I was freaking out. Like I started crying on national television and um, my, I remember my husband comes running through the, the double doors of the studio and they cut and they went to the next product. And I, um, I was like crying, I'm like real women have spoken. And he's like, <laughs> uh, we're not going bankrupt. And that one show that one airing turned into five that year and 101 the next year and we eventually um do over 250 live shows a year on qvc and we built the the biggest beauty brand in their history it is right now as you and i are talking live it's the, the largest brand in qvc's history and beauty and um and I, I just share that because it was three years of them saying no of them saying you're not the right fit of everyone else saying your dream's not going to work change who you are change what you're doing um and this, sorry, this is a long story, but the last thing I just want to share really fast in case someone listening to us needs to hear this about the idea of how you can't fake authenticity, right? Because when I, you know, I had the, the blessing of doing over a thousand live shows myself on QVC. And at one point I started thinking about um, the, and maybe you do this too, probably with all the guests you interview and all the people you know too. But when I started thinking about like over the, the years of, of doing a thousand plus shows, I had the blessing of meeting thousands, tens of thousands of brand founders and entrepreneurs and, and also expert salespeople that represent brands. And literally, um, like literally the smallest, tiniest fraction of them ever make it past one show or two shows, right? And when I started thinking about like the tens of thousands of them, I'm like, what's that common denominator between the ones that last or the ones that actually build this customer connection or, or build this, this, this business that's, you know, taken on repeat purchases like crazy or real connection with customers and people that build something that lasts. And it's interesting when I, when I really observed it, cause I, I shared with you earlier that I, that I got to see this idea play out right before my eyes. Um, when I really observed, what is that commonality between the ones that make it and the ones that last, it was never that the product was really good. It was never that uh, they were the most well, best funded company or that, you know, that they were the smartest or best salespeople or whatever. Literally, because here's the thing, I get to see them on air selling and then in between shows, you're sitting around together in the green room. So you get to meet tens of thousands of entrepreneurs off, off air, behind the scenes when no one's watching. And the only commonality I can see, and this is over 
tens of thousands now, is the people that showed up the same way on air live as they were off air, for better or worse. But the people that show up the same way that are authentic when they present their product to their customers as they are behind the scenes, those are the ones that last. And some of them are quirky and some of them are out there and some are very serious. And there is no, nothing in, in common personality wise, but it's the ones that truly, because you can't fake authenticity and customers are smart and people are smart. We all feel it. You know what I mean? When, when something's off. And so I just think that's fascinating because there's so many people out there that all of us really, it's human nature to, to be tempted to, to want to show up as somebody we think is more qualified than we are or, you know, whatever, whatever other people want, we think other people want us to be, to feel love and belonging and ultimately success. Um, but what I've seen time and time again, and even play out before my eyes in that case is that the ones that were literally just fully themselves for, for better or worse, like on air are the ones that, that built, um, in the case of the QVC's world, multi-million or billion dollar companies, um, just simply because they're able to connect with customers in this authentic way. And, and, and the thing I talk about a lot in my book, Believe It, is just this idea that while authenticity alone doesn't automatically guarantee success, inauthenticity guarantees failure. Uh, and I believe that. Wow. 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 <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because in my journey, I've realized, and it's taken quite a while, if I'm being honest with you here, I've been in the game for about 12 years in the coaching space. What I've realized is it gets to be easier. It gets to be more flow-like. And I think that if it feels hard, it's probably because you're forcing something rather than standing in your power. And I have so much respect for you, Jamie, the fact that you were willing to put it on the line to be authentic. You know, like, listen, if you're, if you're on here right now and you know that you've got this thing and it just won't leave your mind, it won't leave your heart, it won't leave your soul, and you really want to get it out there, but you're thinking about what everybody else thinks, just, just like pay attention to the fact that we live in a society and, and I see it a lot, in, especially through media. And there's a lot of shaming that goes on, but a lot of it is wounds and projections. It's not that people actually legitimately feel like that towards you. They're just projecting their stuff into the space. And I love that you invited God into your process, right? You prayed on it. You were like co-creating with God and God created us from the very beginning to have our own purpose and purposes, you know, and so much of what we do is we suppress that because we listen to the naysayers and everybody else. And I love that you don't listen to them, that you just go, wait a minute, my dreams are way bigger than the fear of not being enough. And you learn to trust yourself in that process. And you know what it is too, Jamie? It's a practice. That authenticity that you shared, it can only be achieved through practice. Yeah. You know, it does feel uncomfortable in the beginning, doesn't it? To like stand up to do your thing, but it feels liberating on the back end as you consistently show up in that authenticness. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that what you just said, so powerful. And, <laughs> you know, I talk a lot too about this idea, you know, in one of the, I talk about my faith journey, actually a lot in the book, I talk about not just how to overcome self-doubt, but but also my journey with body doubt and God doubt and that that whole journey and um, how we actually ended up getting on QVC the first time and uh, and then eventually all of the the all the fancy stores wanted us eventually. <laughs> and now we're the top, we're a top brand in almost all of them, which is so fun. You know what I mean? It's just it's just fun because I love sharing it, not, not because, oh, wow, look what happened, but because anyone out there right now who's, who's being told their idea isn't enough or they need to change who they are, it's like, no, not when it's your truth, you know, not, not when it's your truth, keep going. And, um, but, but I do talk about faith a lot. And, you know, I, I talk and believe it really also about how to build a toolbox that you can pull from when you need it. And 
you just reminded me of one of my favorite things in my toolbox. When I say toolbox, I just mean like, for me, it's an imaginary toolbox. I keep like a bunch of quotes and different things in my notes app on my phone, which is not the most sophisticated way. I write them in journals and a lot of them I just remember. But, um, you know, I think so many people are are scared to start. And I think so many people feel like they're not qualified or they think, oh, someone else has done my idea. There's so many things, but literally no one has done it the way you can do it. Like when, when you, that's the beauty of authenticity is when you actually do something authentic, you, no one can compete with you because no one can literally, you can't fake authenticity and nobody can do it the way you do it. And one of the things that, that um, just to share one of, you know, I love quotes and stories and like underdogs turn victorious stories and all kinds of stuff. And one of the quotes, uh, famous words that, that um, I pull from any time I'm second guessing myself or feeling unqualified or feeling like I don't have what it takes to, to start this new thing or whatever. Um, I've leaned on these words so many times because um, I believe, I believe kind of what you're saying too, Joel, is like when you have that feeling you know, in your, in your spirit or on your heart or in your, you know, you just feel it inside that you're supposed to, to do something. I, for me, I believe it's part of, of your purpose or your calling. And I also believe you can have multiple of those. Um, but anyways, just to share this with anyone uh, who may need to hear these words today, because they've helped me so much anytime I've started to doubt myself or feel unqualified. Um, and they're famous words that say, God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called. And to me, to me, it just means that if you have a purpose of a feeling, something you can't shake that you know that you need to do or, or, or give or serve or love or create or ideate, I think that it means that if God doesn't call it qualified, he qualifies the called. I think it means you have everything that you need inside of you like right now to, to, to do that thing or to accomplish, you know, that dream. And I think that one of our greatest journeys in this life is learning to believe it, like to believe that for ourselves. Um, so just want to share in case someone listening needs those words say, I need those words often still to this day, <laughs> still to this day. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. That's, that's such a deep and profound thing. And sometimes we don't understand it while we're going through the process. But once we come out of it, we realize like, you're like, Oh, I see what you did there. God, yeah. you're preparing me for that next chapter. You know, yeah. I, I think honestly what God has in store for us is far more exciting than what we've already achieved. Right. We get to be present with it and appreciate it, but there's just so much that we're not tapping into because we, we keep trying to win the love of others rather than actually loving who we are and trusting ourselves and trusting God in that walking, in that co-creation. And I just love how you're such a great example of that. So thank you so much, Jamie. That's amazing. Thank you. What would you say are three important principles, strategies, or takeaway things that anyone that's listening that is stepping into the entrepreneurship world you believe is three pinnacle things to remember, what would they be? Yeah. For entrepreneurship world. So right now, so, so many things come to mind. Here's a, here's a few key ones though. I think that, you know, <laughs> prioritize, this is going to be so unsexy of an answer, but prioritizing cash over flash. Like we're in this social media driven world where now there's no barriers to entry to almost every, just about every industry. And it feels overwhelming for entrepreneurs because comparison syndromes everywhere. It is so easy now to just hop online and you see maybe all the competitors in your space um, and everything looks so, <laughs> so good. And I see, you know, I mentor so many entrepreneurs and I see people making this mistake a lot where they're spending their money in ways that don't add value to their customers or to their mission but maybe fuel their ego or make sure that their Instagram looks really great or looks like, you know, the event they just did was incredible. Or I think that when you are an entrepreneur, you literally have to leave your ego at the door. You have to, I mean, the first three years, and you know, I talk about this a lot and believe it. Like I was so scrappy. There is no way if I let my ego get into my business, I would have never built a billion dollar company. There's no way because the first several years and a lot of people are in the same boat that I was in. 
which is that I couldn't afford to hire anyone. <laughs> so like, you know, you, you, you gotta get really scrappy and you gotta figure stuff out and you gotta make sure that every penny goes toward things that, that, that add value to your customer or, or are the right thing for your, your business and your mission. Um, and a lot of people don't, you know, want to do that stuff that, you know, is unglamorous and not fun because you don't see that stuff on Instagram or social media, right? You want to just be CEO right away and all these things. But um, I think that anyone who's serious about being an entrepreneur and launching their dream needs to be ready to, 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 prioritize cash over flash and to, to leave their ego at the door. And I even talk, you know, about just the early years. Like, I mean, I, I, at one point, I didn't know how, what I was going to do. And I was like, I've got to pitch myself to media. And this is the early years of our company, but I couldn't hire anybody. And so, so my middle name was Marie. So Marie got her own email address. Marie at itcosmetics.com would pitch like, like <laughs> if this were, if this were like today, you know, Marie would email and be like, Joel Brown, great news. Our founder, Jamie Kirlim is available for an interview. Like Marie would email all the television <laughs> shows, all the magazines. Love it. Marie would head customer service and reply to any customer with a problem or what, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I share all this stuff that we did that was just so scrappy. Um, and, and I think it's just important. Um, the next thing I would say as well is, you know, on that topic of, uh, of comparison and of everything else, I think that knowing, of course, your why, and we mentioned this earlier, a lot, you, you hear so many people talking about your why, but really doing the work. I, I um, talk a lot of, and believe it also about how I, a lot of people come up with this why, and they think because they tell it to other people and it sounds so good that it's good and it's enough. I, I think most entrepreneurs make the mistake of only I, only writing out a why that sounds really good, but isn't actually deep enough and meaningful enough to them personally to get back up every time they get knocked down or to keep going when, when times get really hard. And so I think peeling back layers, challenging yourself to go deeper for any, anyone listening who's an entrepreneur or even a leader inside their companies um, and, or even assigning a why to a personal goal, whatever it might be, I would really challenge everyone listening to take a look at their why and challenge themselves to peel the layers back and go, go deeper. Like the example, you know, you and I talked about earlier, it's like, I could have just said, oh, I want to create a product that works for me or solves my problems, which would have been true, but wouldn't be a great why it's not bigger than myself. Right. I could have then said, oh, I want to create a product that helps millions of other people um, the way, you know, uh, feel more confident, whatever it is that, and that was true. And that would have been a great why. And if I shared that with a bunch of people, they would have said, great. Oh, that's amazing. But what I did that I think was really important. That's why I want to challenge everyone is I, I went deeper. Like I kept peeling the layers back and this was early on in the business. And for me, it, it came from that deep, 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 like, oh, Growing up, these ads made me feel like I wasn't enough. And I, what if I can shift culture around this whole definition of beauty, right? For, for everyone else out there that, that learns self-doubt from the beauty industry too. Like, what if I can shift that? So it was, it was painful and deep for me personally. And I remembered that deep why every time I got knocked down. So I would say, um, I would say definitely do that. And then, and then the last thing that I'll say that I see so many people fall victim to is simply because we're in this like no barriers to entry digital world now it's easy even for companies to get distracted by what their competitors are doing and it's very easy for entrepreneurs especially in those early tough years they're often tough for entrepreneurs the first you know two to five years are usually really tough sometimes 10 um uh but it's easy in those times to shift course right Right now, coming out of this pandemic, everyone's talking about pivoting. It's easy to go, oh, I need to pivot, all those things. But what I would say to entrepreneurs is you have to really know your authentic mission, your authentic 
authentic why and what your own secret sauce is. Um, because, you know, as, for example, as I grew this company and as I was able, you know, I built a team of over a thousand employees. And when I started bringing people on who were far more like knowledgeable in the beauty industry than I was, and bring, I was bringing on so many people that was such a blessing who had great experience, but the only downside to that is, um, Anytime there is a big hot product in the marketplace or a big trend, retailers and my own team would come to me and be like, oh, we've got to get on this trend. Like, this is huge. Like, if we launch this product, it'll do, you know, this much revenue. And I'm like, okay, but that product isn't aligned with our authentic mission. So if we get distracted right now, we might make money for five seconds and hurt customer trust for a long time, because that's not authentic to who we are, right? And so I had to get good at disappointing the retail stores and saying, if it wasn't authentic to, to who we are, um, but also I would have employees come to me and be like, this, you know, this competitor is doing this and that. And, and I used to say this, Joel, so, so much to my own team, and I would just share it with, with any entrepreneur, any leader listening to us. Um, I said it so much, my whole team probably could just repeat the words and not while not enjoying repeating, but I would say, listen, our, our greatest threat to our business, to our success, isn't the competition or what they're doing. Our greatest threat is if we get distracted by it and then tempted to dilute our own secret sauce. That's the biggest threat. And I stuck to that forever. So I think that Doing that and just being aware of that is so important. I mean, entrepreneurs right now are, I mean, it is, you know, a digital world. Everything is everywhere. And the risk of getting distracted and tempted to change and dilute your own secret sauce is, I think, higher than ever right now. Yeah. Oh, Jamie, awesome. So to recap, cash over flash, don't be scrappy, find a why that makes you cry. And then the last one is, and I, this is how I'm translating it in a way where I think it, like it lands deep in me, is whoever stays in their lane the longest wins, mm. right? Rather than being distracted by what you think you must do. And there's so much power in this, Jamie, in staying in your alignment. Like when you say no, and you know, sometimes people are tempted by money too. You know, It's like, oh, there's this big opportunity to make a bunch of money. But when you say no to that, you're cutting off this like leech from your power supply and you allow yourself to still stand in your power intact. Mm. And obviously it's worked really well for you. So anyone that's listening, take note. I hope you guys had your pad and your pen today and you were writing it out. If, if not, rewind it and uh, listen over again and make sure you grab Jamie's book. It's called Believe It, New York Times bestseller. It's called uh, Believe It, How to Go from Underestimated to Unstoppable. Man, I can't wait to read that book. I'm so excited for you to, to be able to see how much more you can do in this next chapter of your life as well. What's coming up next? Thank you. I'm excited for you to read it too because just talking with you too in, the, in this time, I think we have a lot of, um, how should I say, aligned experiences. <laughs> we have a lot yeah, of aligned yeah. experience and hearing about your journey too and about I, I love it. Thank you for sharing what you shared too. And I know it's your show, but like sharing what you shared about just being in West Hollywood, just all, that whole journey, right. To where you are now to, to everything. I think it's so powerful. I think all of us share this journey of going, how, how do I uh, become the person I was born to be and show up as who I authentically am and, and how do I truly give and serve the world the way I'm called to. I think, I think we're all in that path. And so anyways, I'm excited for you to, to read the book for sure. Um, yeah. And thank you again, by the way, for having me on. Thank you. I wanted to ask you a quick question, something that I personally am curious about. And I think there'll be a lot of other people. There could be somebody listening right now that could be the next person to build a billion dollar company, right? Yeah. What do you do with that? Like, let's say you, you sell the company billions, like this is obviously a, quite a lot of money, you know, before you were like, everything was on the line doing QVC and you almost went bankrupt to, to them billions. What do you do with it? Do you invest it? Did you go and buy a nice 
house somewhere where you really wanted to live? Like, what did you do with that? Yeah. Um, two things. I just remember you said, what are you doing next too? And I forgot that. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. let me talk about you right now, Joel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, before I forget to share this, um, you know, for me, I, I pray every single day, God use me, love use me. And I just try to listen to the answer. And so for me, that that's how I decide what's next. And I'm, I'm just, you know, um, for believe it for this book, you know, for me, like a lot of people go, oh, you built this billion dollar company. For me, this book is the best work I've, I've ever done. I'm donating 100% of the proceeds, 100% of my author royalties. Everything's going to uh, to charity. Uh, I'm really just doing it to, you know, because I, I believe, <laughs> I believe when we literally share, you know, like I, like I started our talk with, I guess, everything that we've gone through, we really all can um, rise higher together. Um, on this journey. So that is what's next <laughs> is just continuing um, to do that. And in terms of, yeah, yeah, I sold it for $1.2 billion cash, which is really crazy. When I was waitressing tables, um, I could have never imagined. I don't think that that happening, um, you know, a couple of things. So on the journey when, you know, we eventually started doing well, we eventually were, you know, became number one in QVC and, and a lot of the stores and all that. So it was a, a, a few years we were doing really, really well. And when having money was new to me, I was not raised around it. I was the first person in my family even to think about going to college or any of that stuff. Um, uh, but one thing that I've heard before that I then realized is true um, is whether you sell your company for a billion dollars or you get some big award or you get that promotion or whatever it is that that happens that we think is this big achievement. Like there's these famous words that you still take you with you. Right. Yeah, so yeah. meaning, uh, yes, of course it's fun. You, you have few, you have some fewer problems and you have some, you have more problems in other areas. Right. But no matter what happens, you still take you with you and, and, I've gone through, actually talk and believe it a lot about going through seasons of burnout and going through the realization of like a lifetime of achiever mentality and how I equated achievement to love and how I'm trying to unlearn that. Um, and, and I could have heard someone say, oh, you, you, you know, money doesn't change anything. You know, you hear all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but experiencing it, it, it's, it's so true that you still take you with you. And so, you know, anyone listening, right? Everyone listening to your show is addicted to success is <laughs> probably has huge goals, huge dreams, huge, um, huge ambitions, huge talent, huge leadership skills, huge companies. Um, and so everyone probably has the same experience I have where sometimes we achieve something big and we're like, oh, what's next? And more and it's never enough when we're in that mindset. And so what I would say is, yes, of course, there's amazing, fun, awesome things with that experience I had of selling my company for that much money, for sure. Uh, but I've also learned you bring you with you. <laughs> so wherever you're at right now, start working on you um, so that you can actually enjoy all the things that, that happen. Uh, you know, there was a number of years, Joel, where I was working hundred hour weeks and I, every big milestone I would hit and every big thing I would accomplish, I didn't enjoy it. Like, like I didn't celebrate it. You know, I thought I, I tried to, but I was so burnt out. You know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, there's really fun things <laughs> selling your company for $1.2 billion. But I'll tell you, I've met a lot of people that, that have done that as well. Um, and not a lot of them are happy. Right. And, and at the end of the day, whether you have a dollar or a billion dollars, you bring you with you. And so, you know, I think I think that's another great thing about about just your community, too, is, is everyone is working on themselves. And a lot of people don't take the time to do that. And I think that's the victory. I think I think taking the time to to work on ourselves, to, to know ourselves, to trust ourselves. Um, I think that's, that's the victory and the greatest chance for success. Yeah. It's funny when I talk with a lot of people that have achieved a lot financially, 
And the theme tends to be that they realize that once they got all the money, that there were things that they started to change in their life. Like they decided to simplify and have a bit more freedom. They realized they could have had that anyway. (laughs) Right. So it was like, oh, that was a bonus and that's cool. And we get to do a lot with it. It's a tool and a resource, but there's just so much that you're able to achieve already. You know, you're like, you're giving back by writing your book. That's so cool. You know, a lot of people can do that now, you know? Uh, so Jamie, I want to respect your time and I really do appreciate you showing up in this. It's amazing. Can't wait to get your book for anybody listening right now, grab the book. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. You can check out Jamie on Instagram. All right. Jamie Kern Lima, all one word there for her username on Instagram, reach out to her, tag her, share her stuff, watch her videos, like her stuff. And, uh, Jamie, just thanks a million for, for showing up on this podcast. Joel, thank you. And, and to just to share, I wrote a 95 page um, study guide, like on how to implement all the lessons from the book. It's, it's the kind of study wow. guide a lot of authors will sell separately, but I did it for free for anyone who wants it. So that's on believeit.com too. It's really about like how you take all the lessons from the book into your life. So thank you for having me. It's so, so great to meet you. And it'll be fun to meet in person. We're in the same same location yes. at some point. <laughs> Let's do it. Come out to Bali. <laughs> yes, I love Come back it there. To Bali. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I love it. I love it. Go now I have on. a friend there, so I have to go back. Yes. Jamie, we end every interview with this last question here. And the last question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your parting advice, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Oh, gosh. Um. I'd probably say the famous famous quote that love is always the answer, um, no matter the question. And I think, um, yeah, I would say God can dream a bigger dream for us than we can for ourselves. And that, you know, I think that um, one of the lessons I've learned too is I don't think we're here on this earth to compete with anyone else. I think we're here to compete literally only with, with who we know God made us capable of becoming. Um, I know I'm nowhere there yet, <laughs> but I hope to be. Um, yeah. And I would just say life is love and we are love. 